Welcome to The Link, the podcast that links the past to the present for those who went to high school in the 1980s. It is a perfect time to reflect and to take stock and to think about really fun parts of our past, but also some challenges. I get to see and hear all your amazing faces and a blast from the past, which is always super exciting, seeing who we were then, who we are now. We really didn't know what was going on in each other's lives very much. And so finding out the real scoop is incredibly rewarding. (laughs) We're ready for two scoops today because it's the holiday season. So why not have an extra scoop of whatever? Make it a triple! (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is David Yaz with the Boston Podcast Network, producer of The Link. And I want to introduce... The star-studded panel that we have, per usual, Meredith Zinner, Farah Pandith, and Diana Donovan. Everybody's here. Woo! Yeah. Hey, dude. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Far Tis how- the season. Tis the season. Far, how's your holiday season? It's been great. Thanks so much. I hope you're well wearing a really, really spiffy blazer, Dave. Yes, this is a holiday blazer. It's it's non-denominational. It does. I guess it does have Christmas trees yeah, on it. It looks, it looks yeah. patriotic to it, me. Though. It's it's red, white, and blue. It's very loud. <laughs> it's a hundred percent polyester. You, I, I, I can ball this up and throw it in the back of my car and take it out and never a wrinkle, never a wrinkle. So happy holidays, everybody. And happy holidays. Happy holidays. And uh, I'll do my producer thing and just remind people to contribute to our show on Patreon. A lot of you have been doing so very generously. Yay! We appreciate yes. it. Thank you. Thank you. It allows us to keep producing this great show and keeping in touch with the the class that was the graduating class of 1986 Milton Academy, which we all were, and we have a fellow member who's the guest today. Oh, oh. by the way, that Patreon page is oh. go to go to right go to pod617.com/link, and you will find uh, a link to the Patreon page. Who is doing the honors today and in introducing? Me. Our, okay, that would be me, Diana. Please. Okay. So I am thrilled to introduce our next guest, a dear friend who has been working at the Whitney Museum of Art for the past 14 years in preparations and exhibitions. She is currently the head preparator, I hope I'm saying that correctly, dealing with logistics and packing of exhibitions that go all over the world. She spent time at the ICA in Boston in the 1990s while also playing bass in a girl band called Cheesecake. She has a BFA from Tufts slash Museum School in Boston and an MFA from the School of Visual Arts in New York. And she has exhibited her own artwork, sculptures, installations around the world. And she's always been, she's always struck me as a very introspective and creative person, totally unafraid of challenging authority or convention in search of some sort of higher truth or purpose. Please meet our guest and classmate, Caitlin Birmingham. Yay! Welcome, Welcome, Caitlin. Welcome. Thank you. By the way. Thank you. That was quite an introduction. Well, you are quite a, a quite a wonderful yeah. person. Quite accomplished. I just set the stage. I have, right. Diana, I have the the uh, pronunciation of uh, preparator, I think. Let, let me, let's hear it. <laughs> preparator. Oh, <laughs> preparator. See, that puts the emphasis on prep. Yeah. Is that right, Caitlin? Interesting. I think it's more preparator. Oh, it is. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, Microsoft, Microsoft Word does not recognize it. Oh. <laughs> and they're always trying it. Yeah, it's always trying, trying to, they're always spell checking it. So, but it's just, it's one of those, 
it's one of those words that it's used at every museum. It's a little bit different. Some sometimes people say technician, or sometimes people are just saying art handling, or but it's kind of preparator is just more broad because it's in, you're just preparing for an exhibition, but we're preparing things to be exhibited. But it's a pretty awesome word. Caitlin, did you study art at Milton? I just, I took photography at Milton. I didn't really, I didn't take it. I don't think I took any other classes. I mean, I'm trying to think if there was a general art class. Yeah, I don't, I'm just well, like, how how did this... specialized. They made us specialize early on, right? Like mm. you, you could take studio art with Miss Neely or I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just took, I think I just took photography. I remember, yeah, Alice Neely, we, she did do yoga or Jane Fonda workout though at Halfway a House with Us. So. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is a really good that's one. Awesome. In, in stripe that's awesome. That's your visual. Striped leggings, I hope. Probably. Preparator. I have the, al- so, I have the uh, alternate pronunciation here. Parator. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, come back. Come back. Yeah. So. Parator. Oh, wait. Parator. No. There it is. Wow. I think we should stick Parator. to the way Caitlin actually pronounces it, Dave. Yeah. I think that would be really that good. Was it. Although, that was although it. your gadgets are so appreciated. You got it. That's what I'm here for. Caitlin, Caitlin, so like when did you know that you were interested in art? What what was it that propelled you? And because I remember visiting you after high school and at some museum, some small museum near a bridge or something. And I'm just wondering like <laughs> near what a bridge. <laughs> that would be the, wouldn't in that be Boston? The yeah. Must be Boston. The <laughs> near yeah. a bridge. It's just near a bridge. It's that's the, that's, that's Ave. No, that's right. Have? Yeah, it was right near Mass Ave. It was the right. corner yeah. yeah it was on Boylston Street. Yeah. Fifty five Boylston. I don't know. I remember that pretty well. Actually I think it was because I had been to the ICA as part of the arts club mm-hmm. at Melton. I don't think I would have known about it otherwise. Was that I mean, the one that Karen Euler ran? That yep. one? Okay. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was in that, that too, of course. Why wasn't I wasn't <laughs> right. <laughs> Being so artistic <laughs> myself. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we went to see an Annie Leibowitz exhibition. Mm at at the ICA and I didn't really know that much about it at the time and then and then I kind of I probably forgot about it I went to Syracuse for one year which was not the best fit and then I found myself um what would have been my sophomore year in living in Boston and thinking I need to do something um worthwhile with my life or just at least Look for something. Look for something. Get a job somewhere interesting. Yeah. Other than other than just I had some I had some retail job or food service job also, but I went. I Didn't just kept, we all? Yeah, exactly. Many of those, but I just kept going back to the ICA until I got a job there. I was like, this is somehow I was drawn to it, and I was like, this seems like some, I'm going to learn something here. I'm going to figure out what I'm doing. And so I got a job there. And because I'd had some retail experience, I, I didn't have, they were about to have uh, a Picasso show. So they wanted somebody to work in the bookstore and to manage the bookstore eventually. And, um, and I thought that would be, that would be great. And so I started, so I got in, involved with that. And then I was taking classes at Harvard Extension and at MassArt and eventually museum school. What and classes? I took art history. I heard art history and creative writing at, at Harvard because uh, I think before I'd really focused on writing more and I've been more interested in writing and yeah, I seem science. to remember that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was really, I was really involved with politics at that time. I did in the end of, at the end of high school, but I had, I did this internship at the democratic state committee. And I, I think that kind of, I mean, I've always, I'm still interested, still wanted to be involved, but I, I realized that during that time that I really didn't want to be involved in directly in politics or be a politician. Mm-hmm. I just found it was, there was too Tara much. I was... could talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I hear you, Caitlin. I, I hear you. I mean, it was, it was definitely compelling, but I think I spent a lot of time compiling information for, um, for challengers to use against incumbents mm-hmm. from the state house roles. And it just, I just, that kind of killed my desire at that time to be involved, to be so specifically involved. So so when I went to Syracuse and I had been, I went there partially because of political science, I was, I was kind of not as, not as engaged as I, as I could have been. Well, what's so interesting <laughs> is that art is so much more of a way to challenge. Well, I don't know if it's more of a way, but it's, it's definitely a really interesting way to challenge the status quo in the same way that mm-hmm. politics. So I can see how yeah, I that mean, way Caitlin, in. Yeah. The cultural touch points. I mean, you're you're right in it, and you can influence in in really important ways that are emotional and not necessarily things that you would normally think about because it's affecting you in a different kind of way. But I find it really interesting that are you from Massachusetts, Caitlin? I, I remember yeah. you were you were border. Yeah, I was a border, but I was I am from Massachusetts, and so so during that time, so my parents lived in Duxbury, but I moved into Boston. I lived with them briefly, but it was but it wasn't wasn't far enough that far, so I could get in pretty often, and and I did grow and when I was younger, I had grown up in Cambridge, in the Cambridge area, so so yeah, Boston was the city that I knew the best, so that was like that was you know where I was going to go, but yeah, so I got so I got involved in that, and then it was just taking those classes and seeing the art around me and seeing all the other possibilities of what art could be, which I hadn't really been aware of before. Tasks at the ICA was to water a bed of, of moss in a Robert Gober <laughs> installation. Wait, so you could have been like a botanist after all this. <laughs> after all that, that could have been inspiring. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I remember actually tried to grow some moss in my backyard. There was a tough year for moss. Did you kill the moss? <laughs> was the moss okay, Caitlin? The moss was okay. You know, the moss, yeah, the moss uh, sustained itself for the installation. It was, yeah, I just remember that was a beautiful room with a, like a painted blue ceiling and a bed of green moss. And <laughs> that's so <laughs> neat. But yeah, that worked, that really just sort of opened things up to me quite a bit. And, and that was almost kind of my, almost like a college experience for me at that, mm-hmm. at the ICA, I was surrounded by a bunch of other people around my age who were students at different colleges around who were involved in art and music. And that's and where the band started, right? Wasn't it, it a whole ICA group? Yeah. 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 The, yeah today, Basilio worked at ICA with me and the other, the other couple of people, and, and actually Denise, who was a, the original member, an original member, she also worked there. And yeah, we were all inspired by the Rob- Berkeley College of Music was across the street. A number of other people were in bands and so it was only a matter of time before somehow I had a bass and I was just trying to figure out how You're to play. You're up on stage like, hi. It actually took a while for us to do that, but but I was living down the street from the people who had eventually become my bandmates and they had a basement. And so we would just 
jam down there awesome that sounds so Um, much more awesome than syracuse i mean syracuse i'm sure it could be awesome for some people it just didn't yeah it just didn't work out for me that way but but yeah so i did that for and and actually at some at some points had kind of a stressful job at the ica i remember when we had the maple wait caitlin can i interrupt you for a second i don't want to leave the band here because the name of the band is cheesecake right so oh, yes. I, I'm, I just wow, put on, there's actually something online. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't find audio tracks of the band, but there was some of the songs have provocative titles. Was it, was yes. it, was it a punk rock band? Yes. There was that promoter in Boston called Billy Ruain. If anyone was involved in the music scene in Boston at that time, I'm sure they remember him and somebody, and he always recorded lots of shows or had them recorded. So yeah, there's a whole YouTube subgroup of all the recordings and many shows in Boston from the late 80s to the early 2000s. Great. So it's, it's pretty great because there's a lot of really famous bands on there also that you can see in their early days. And you are actually- a famous band, Caitlin. We're going we're gonna to stick by that. <laughs> what do you mean? Rockstar. By the yes. way, Dave, I just switched my microphone. Just so you know, it wasn't selecting the Yeti Okay. in case I... I, I'm that was intended to improve the sound, but if it we can barely out. hear you at all, which is actually what what everyone told me they would prefer. <laughs> Thank no. you very much. No, you sound thanks. You, you sound great. You sound fine okay. right now. You do. Thank you, Caitlin. Are you are you still musically inclined? Are you still doing things? I'm not. I'm not really playing music in any serious way right now. I think after I moved to New York and was in school and and was work and then was working full time, it just. It just became, you know, too much to do. But I do occasionally, I do occasionally jam with friends and some of my old bandmates do live actually quite near me in New York. So every now and then we... Somebody's going to have the great idea to do like the revival tour or something like, <laughs> ooh, it's been 30 years. <laughs> That's been happening a lot. <laughs> yeah. Other bands that I know. And, oh, um, awesome. It's really funny. Yeah, I've actually been, yeah, it seems... Yeah, once everyone got middle-aged, they decided that. <laughs> and I think there just was a renewed interest in in the 90s, of course. You yeah. Know, that, yeah. And um, a lot of the bands that were that were popular. Well, and your band was very, it was like kind of political. I mean, it was like the whole Riot Girl thing was very much this kind of feminist movement. And definitely. I mean, we all were, we all consider ourselves feminists. And that's how kind of I got together with the people that were in my band. Initially, we were all interested in a lot of similar topics in LGBTQ rights. And also, and also two members, two of the members are, one is Puerto Rican or consider ourselves Latinas and one is Puerto Rican and one has Cuban ancestry. So we were, we had one song that was called Bi, it was bi-coastal, bisexual and, <laughs> and, and bilingual. And so, and the, yes, yeah, so there was a lot of things we weren't originally there wasn't really a riot girl chapter in in boston at right. the time but we we did play at the first riot girl convention in nice. uh, 1991 in dc that is pretty um, awesome yeah and somehow ended up on the on the cover of usa today um, nice <laughs> That's what you need to find. I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't know where that is, but somebody does have it. Um, it's the, it's the lucky thing your mom. is that nothing goes <laughs> yeah. away. It will be there. Somebody will find it. Yeah, yeah. it'll yeah. be in some archive. Yeah, somewhere. absolutely. And now it, we're all wearing by focals. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. Good one. Good one, Meredith. <laughs> Tip your waiters. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, there is actually a whole Riot Girl archive at the Fails Library at NYU. You were making history. That is actually incredible. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I think a lot of people involved in that movement are academics now also. So, <laughs> right. you know, so they're <laughs> sort of writing about their past at the same time. But yeah, that was that was that was definitely a, a good chapter. But Caitlin, how did you start making art? When was that? Your arts, I, I saw some of it online. It's so cool. It's so very tactile. Like you, you want to, I want to touch it and feel it and put my face against it. <laughs> cool. Don't great. invite that Meredith. <laughs> she Don't says, let Meredith lick the arch. <laughs> When Probably did not that good for start? You either. Uh. Probably around the same time that I worked at the ICA. I think just because of seeing all the kinds of different types of, having done photography, I was always still kind of interested in that. And that was kind of, and I actually, actually that's one of the classes I took at MassArt. I took a photography class mm. there as well. I started doing more sculpture, installation things. It was just kind of playing around. I just knew I was, I knew a lot of artists. I knew a lot of people who were in art school. It was something just to kind of, I don't know have fun with on the weekend to make little things. And it took me a while to really decide that that's what I wanted to do. So I I took, then I took a couple of foundation classes at museum school and to see if that was really what, and I, and I was really interested in it and it was, and I thought that, you know, that would be, and I decided on museum school because you could do the academics at Tufts rather than mass art, for instance, where because um, I really still was really interested in having good literature classes and sociology and anthropology and that kind of stuff. That, so I would do, I would do my academics in the summers and then I, and then I would go take my studio classes, you know, during the school year, basically. How were, not, not that it's crucial, but how, how did your parents react to your decision to really focus on the art? Like as a, as opposed to maybe what I don't know what plans they might've had, but you know, all everyone's parents seemed to be a little bit more traditional back then. They were like, they didn't see yeah, the world um, the way we did. Absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, my dad was, he was interested in getting me into some training program in a bank. That was oh, his idea. Oh. That would have been such a great fit. <laughs> exactly. Wow. What a loss there. Um, <laughs> Oh. That's it. He was always, well, oh, there's always these new things for, for women and there's more opportunities happening. Bank. But it's funny because later I ended up doing, you know, quite a bit of math and, <laughs> and estimates and budgets and things mm-hmm. in my job, but that's not, as, but that's not how it started out. But, but yeah, and my, and my, my mother though has always been sort of artistic and took a lot of art classes and did a lot of craft projects and, and took and took some classes at the BAC Boston Architectural Center. So that was it was always and when we and and from nine to sixteen I lived in Gloucester and it was a whole there was a whole artist community there. So it was mm-hmm. in the background. It was something that was but not as a real serious career choice. Really? Yeah. They look like the Beatles. Google it. Sorry, continue. <laughs> but it sounds like you found a lot of support from your community. Like yeah. if there were people, your coworkers and the, that, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think when I, when I first started working at the ICA, I was 19 and because a lot of other people were in school at that age, my, a lot of my friends were these 23 year olds mm-hmm. and, and they were, they were kind of already on their path a little bit. And so, so that was kind of, I mean, that was actually kind of helpful to me though to see people doing doing their work doing their artwork as well as alongside their jobs at the museum or or somewhere else so yeah it was a really it was a really great 
community. It was a really great place. I mean, we still, there's, I don't know if we still joke about having a Facebook group of, you know, former um, employees of ICA Boston from, you know, like 88 to 95 or something. I just got invited to some crazy secret Santa thing for people I worked with in 1999 to 2000. And sadly, I got paired as the secret Santa with two people I don't know. So somebody's buying me a gift. I don't remember that guy. And then I'm buying a gift for somebody else. Caitlin, I was really curious as you, um, as you are, sort of navigating through the museum world now in the midst of COVID, how are things like, how, how have things changed? What are you, what are, what are you seeing as new <laughs> at, at this moment? Well, in terms of, well, I, I used to travel a lot for work with, with artwork and exhibitions and my schedule was get, was actually really a little bit too insane right before the pandemic where it was just since since the Whitney has opened opened a new building in 2015, our all of our responsibilities just got a little more intense. There were more and more exhibitions. We didn't seem to have more people, but so there was all this travel, and then it just kind of abruptly stopped. And now there's definitely a lot more virtual couriers and things that are going. Things are. What still is co- that? Wait, what? What's a virtual courier? Well, so a lot of so sometimes you would courier you courier artwork yeah. because of the either the insurance value or just it's difficult to install or there's specific things to know about it. And so a lot, of, a lot of museums and other institutions and funding require that people travel with their work when they, when it's installed at other venues. So, so now we, sometimes the work, the work will travel by itself or okay. with, with certain, with agents and so on. But, but then we have a whole zoom set up with people watching it being installed and discussing what's oh, going to wow. happen and, and, all of that. So when things are, so we did that. So for the Vida Americana exhibition that was Mexican murals inspired by sort of Mexican murals and, and American art, that was the first time we had really started doing that. We took that, when we took that down because um, we put it up right before the pandemic in February, 2020. And then it was up for a year, which was much longer than it was supposed to be, but because no one knew what was going on, no one wanted to travel, no one we didn't even know if we could work together. And so, and for that exhibition, I had to plan everyone working in pods and it was just, and for, and we had a couple of other show changes around the same time. So we had about 20 people, 20 to 25 people, and everybody had to stick with their pod of four or so. Hmm. And we couldn't, and you had to kind of plan the whole eight week turnover where no one could from members of one pod could interact with the people from the other pod. And just because we weren't sure and we had, or unless there was a 10 day reset, because that was supposed to be the, the amount of time that it would take to see whether you actually ha- had COVID or you wouldn't be taking it from one pod to the next. So there's a lot of things like that. I mean, so we're, we're still all wearing masks. So it's work. still logistics. It's just like a completely different type yeah. of yeah. logistic. Yes, it's still logistics. Figure out. It's right. just more. It's more intense. Uh, there's more people's health involved. So they're definitely. So I think travel like that that was happening before won't be happening at the scale that it was. But right. it still is. It still is going. It still is happening now. I mean, there's mm-hmm. the Miami Art Basel Fair is happening right now. So there's a whole bunch of people from all over the world there, buying art and partying mm-hmm. together at night um, <laughs> what are, what are these characters like it's so funny you say that and I just I picture like these I have such stereotypical ideas of what these very dramatic I don't know like Honest. the big art buyers and the like 
At the museum, I don't really deal with the art fairs that much, luckily. When I kind of worked, when I worked for for a company, for an art services company, we would deal with it a little bit more. And and that's and that kind of there was just things going up really quickly, a whole bunch of people coming in, things getting sold, things getting changing hands, a bunch of you know, a bunch of parties and no one seeming to sleep. <laughs> Were you in that play that that we did at Milton called Museum? Were you in that? I wasn't in that. Oh. Um, I, I played I played a ditzy photographer. <laughs> it was I, I was in Yeah. It was by Tina Howe or Tina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, and it it was a satire about the art world of the time of of the eighties of the eighties or the seventies maybe. When was it? When was it written? I don't remember. Um, I have to look. I don't up. remember. I'll have to look it up too. I mean, th- there's always kind of there's always some stories that where you can where somebody it's there's some extreme behavior by some artist or another, or maybe by some collector. But for the most part, the people I work with aren't, aren't really like that. They're mm-hmm. just trying to get this show up, figure mm-hmm. out what it's about or how it's going to, how it's going to work. We definitely deal with a lot of different personalities, but that's part of the fun. And on a com- oh, sorry. No, no, it's okay. I was just going to ask if, if you have seen in the course of the last few years, uh, maybe the last decade or so, an increase in the different kinds of artists, a more diverse pool of, of people who are contributing their artwork. Definitely. I think, I think every, every museum, every institution is interested in increasing diversity, at this, especially now. But I mean, before even last year, before George Floyd's murder that was there was there was a lot of diversity and inclusion work being done but probably not at the level that it is being done now I do I think that the commitment is much is much higher than it than it was before we've at the Whitney we've gone through everyone's gone through a whole series of workshops and courses and there's a lot more working groups now and actually there's a unionization movement happening and that's happening all over all over the country actually the UAW has been voted in at MFA Boston at the Philadelphia Museum of Art at the new museum at the Whitney and I think that's part of a response to a lot of a lot of what's was highlighted during COVID a lot of the inequities in our system that people were really that we're actually finally paying a little bit more attention to. So that's, yeah, that's definitely, it's definitely happening. Um, some we've wanted to also work on is having an apprenticeship program inspired by the one that's happening at the, at the Broad Museum that where they bring, because, because art handling, it hasn't really, it isn't something that people really know about as a, as a job choice or as a career. And especially in underserved communities or people who end up in those jobs usually are people who went to art school and are artists and and then they traditionally have just recommended somebody else that they know and it's sort of so it's everyone coming from the same um, community and so now there's definitely more of impetus to open that up and to to do some kind of training because it's not something it's not a job that you necessarily need a degree for but you do need to have a certain kind of skill set and and just sort of a sensibility and attention to detail and a lot of people in other types of careers could make that transition and it's and the pay is generally better depending on where you are so but we we haven't so we've made steps in that area but we haven't really had that much time or the resources at this point right now to to do it everyone went through we were to go through a few some cuts cutbacks during the pandemic so we're a little bit 
we're a little bit stretched at the moment, but I, I'm still kind of, I'm still interested in doing that. And, but at least on a small scale, and I have talked to other people in New York, I mean, LA, it's, it's kind of amazing that LA, they started this several years ago. I mean, the Broad has a lot of resources as an institution. So they had, it was, I wouldn't say it was easier for them. They also still had to get a grant and, but they have a dedicated staff person and funding for that program, but they did start small and, and then they got other people involved in other institutions in LA and that area and other vendors. And that would be something that would be great to see in New York. And I hope that can happen. Speaking of New York, what brought, how did you get from Boston to New York? Graduate school. So I got to, I think I got to the point where, let's see, I was, yeah, I got just gotten out of school at museum school. I wasn't necessarily thinking about going to graduate school that year, but then I kind of, it just seemed, you know, it seemed like Boston just felt a little small at that time. There were, had been a lot of cuts and funding in the arts there actually. And Boston doesn't support the arts, especially contemporary art in the way that a city like New York can um, mm-hmm. and does. And so I remember trying to get another job in the arts and it was just like, oh, you know, thank you for your interest, but we're going to hire this person that we've worked with for 20 years. And I was kind of like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe it's time to do something else. Or maybe, maybe I will go back to school now. And, and so, yeah, so, and I, and I decided to go to go to New York because I wanted to be in New York rather than a different, another school. So, so yeah, I found myself just, and we've been going to, and we've been, my band had been going to New York a lot and playing in New York. So it just felt like an easy, an easier transition than moving across the country. I did look at grad schools in California a little bit, thought about it and even London, but it just, New York felt like home already to some the, degree. So. The be- they say the best cheesecake is in New York. So. <laughs> <laughs> that must that have factored in. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> can, can we ask you about your memories of Milton? You guys haven't really touched upon that yet, have you? No. I mean, have you yeah. been listening? <laughs> yes. Thank you, Meredith. Yes. But I don't know if you guys wanted to ask anything more specific. I was just going to ask, Caitlin, during high school, I mean, we knew each other. I wasn't close friends with you. I mean, that, that we just we kind of traveled in different circles. You always seemed sort of thoughtful to me and a little bit quiet. Was it a was it a uh, welcoming place for you? Do you have fond memories of Milton, or what are you? I mean, I do. I mean, of course, I have I have some mixed feelings, but and memories. But I mean, for, but everyone for most... is nodding their head. <laughs> yeah, we're all <laughs> nodding in for our listeners who can't see. Right. Nodding in you. But I mean, I had I made some really good friends there, and I'm really happy that I'm still in, in touch with them. I mean, and there was a lot of support in in that way, and. I mean, I really, it opened me up to so many things that I didn't know. Like this, the proximity to Boston was great, but also just, just the people from all over there. Um, and I just remember, I do remember having really great, intense conversations and trying to discuss everything as you do when you're an adolescent. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, so, so why mixed? What, what were the things? I mean, you know, share a little um, bit about why it wasn't. I mean, the- I don't, I don't think that, in, I don't think that institution or maybe some of the teachers were as supportive as they could have been. I felt I did, felt like you were sort of on your own a little bit, maybe especially as a boarder, just things weren't going well. You're just kind of left to your own devices a little. I mean, and there was a lot of judgment, I think, if you weren't the perfect student or, I don't know, late yeah, for assembly. I think that's right. For Yeah, for, for a small school, you, you, 
it was easy to kind of get lost. Well, I think we've talked before on on this show about just the culture of conformity that we were all sort of forced into. And I think that that affected all of us in so many different ways, but I think it affected the way our teachers saw us and it affected the way we saw one another. And we all felt like we had to fit into this certain mold. And maybe that's the kind of mold that your dad saw for you, where it's like, you get a job at a bank and you move up and, and that's what you do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I don't know. I know it was, I know it was the certain time it was the eighties. There was, the culture was changing and it was before a lot of, a lot of more radical changes I think happened right after that. There was more acceptance of difference later, even five years later. I yeah. remember there was, I think Diana, we went to one of those reunions or for a minute, I felt like it was really mm-hmm. a short time. And I was, was Will like, was late and didn't pick us up on Friday night to go to the James Taylor concert. So we only went on Saturday. That's what it was. I took forever <laughs> getting to Coolidge Corner or something. Like what's that. what's very interesting to me is that there are two classmates that I can think of off, off the top of my head who are also in your field, both Heather and Michael Gitlitz. And I wonder if you're, if, as colleagues, if you guys are in touch. I mean, I actually didn't know that they were involved in the, in the arts at all until oh. uh, the reunion I went to 10 years ago, or I guess it was mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But then after that, I, w- I did, I am more in touch with Heather, especially because she's in New York and I did go to a show she curated, uh, the, I'm trying to think of it's modern Italian modern institute or that she was the director of for a little while, but I haven't been in touch with them just recently. And I, and I noticed that Michael, yeah, he's the director also of a small of a museum in upstate. In, I think in North in, Salem. Yeah. And I think he's Fountain. actually just st- stepped down from that, oh, okay. but Heather did a show, curated a show for that museum. Oh, okay. So um, that which is, was, which is neat. Yeah. Yeah. I did see that. I did see that she curated a show. I didn't realize it was the connection with, with Michael there. Well, I think it's neat that, that we have, I mean, I'm sure there are other classmates we don't know, but three that we do know that are, that are in the museum field loosely um, saying it like that, but it's something, something is happening in our class around arts Definitely. and culture, which is nice. Definitely. And other people, well, other people from Milton, I mean, I went to, I actually went to graduate school with Sarah Z. She was oh, in my class yeah. at SVA and I thought that was funny. And then, and Mark Tribe is also an artist right. and, and he was a professor, I think at Brown and then, but now actually is working at SVA. Mm-hmm. So it's just funny. I mean, I would, I mean, Sarah Z was someone you would have always expected to, yeah. to go into art or be an artist. I don't think I, would, I thought Mark Tribe would do that at the time or Heather. I didn't know she was involved with that. Mm-hmm. Or, and then know, I think of like John Bisbee, who's done amazing um, oh, yeah. sculpture. I mean, there are some really talented artists coming out of Milton. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're welcome. So, so yes, <laughs> some of them are on Kidding. this podcast. Uh, we do have Kidding. to, we, <laughs> We do, we do have to move. <laughs> stop it. We haven't, we haven't <laughs> talked on the pod about your acting career, Meredith, and I don't even think um, I've ever talked Ow. to you about it. And I would like to I at some point, but no, not have we talked to- How could you not have found like a YouTube video of Meredith acting? Oh, like, oh I have like, them. How, how, exactly. No, I have no, 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 no. 
We are oh, talking he's, about. He's holding them in his back pocket. Yeah, oh, they're not a secret. Right. She's in. She was Let in us major motion. Continue most... with. She Kate was in Erin Brockovich. Let us continue. Exactly. She was very good. Caitlin, in okay. All right. I was thinking more. about that when I was thinking when we were going to hear you guys interviewed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. Dave so, once in a while tries to get us to talk I about do. ourselves. We're like, uh, mm. no, like, no, the guest. Even the Meredith guest. won't talk about herself. I that know. is so frustrating. <laughs> Hi, this is David Yaz, producer of The Link Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we hope you consider supporting us with a contribution through Patreon. The Link is a labor of love for us, but there are production costs attached to creating a quality show. And you can help us by visiting patreon.com slash thelinkpodcast. We have some cool ways of thanking you for your support, including t-shirts, mugs, and shout-outs on the show. You can do us a solid for as little as $5 a month, and we will continue to bring you great conversations that foster the bonds of our high school class and beyond. Once again, please visit patreon.com slash the link podcast. Now, back to the show. Anyway, Meredith does have the job of asking her question oh, of do. the week. Can I ask yeah. it now? Yes. yes. I've been looking for the appropriate sound effect to, to give the proper fanfare. So oh, I there's thought, no... It's, so, it's, so, it's, okay. That's good. Is that good? And now the question of the week, Meredith. Oh, thank you. So my question is, in a nutshell, what if you could go back in time to yourself at Milton, at the best time at Milton, what would your Milton self then think of where and who you are now and consecutively, consequentially, in it, what would you tell your Milton self if you could go back and tap her on the shoulder? I should have been and not freak her out. I knew because I knew that I remember that you were doing that question um, from the last podcast. So it's I, better I mean, that we just spring it on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's better if you don't have time to think. I think. Right, you'll think of a better one in the shower. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now this will be the. I mean, I guess. I guess from uh, what I would tell myself at that time would be just to maybe just to relax and not a, a little bit and not be so <laughs> worried about it. what was going to happen. I mean, you know, but, but maybe study a little bit more. But, um, <laughs> be, be a That's very honest. That's a very honest answer. Yeah. Yeah. And then what would your Milton self think of your life and who you are right now? I mean, I think that. And all you've accomplished. Well, I think she would be really surprised because I don't think that that's the direction that I thought I would be going in. I, I really, I mean, especially visual art so much so specifically, but I think she'd, I think she'd be pleased that I traveled and uh, worked really hard and accomplished a lot of things. I think that she would probably still want me to do even better though. So. Oh, how could you? Because she's not relaxed. Is it because, yeah. because she's not relaxed? She's still putting pressure she's, on you. She's not exactly. She's still putting pressure on. How could you? And do she's that? like, when are we going to go back to Boston? She's like, when are we going back to Boston? And when are we going to live in the big house in the suburbs? No, I don't think that was ever my dream. Really, no. Caitlin, but, um, how could you? How could you do more than you're doing? I know you're, I... you're doing such an amazing. You like it's incredible what you've done and what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Well, just tell that you. little girl that <laughs> we have some words to share tell with her. Tell the little yeah. girl to shut right. the heck up. Yeah. 
Well, I'm still working on the Spanish, so we'll see. Uh, aren't we all? <laughs> Caitlin, is there information you could share with our listening audience about where they can access your work on the web or any other contact information you want to share? Well, I have, I've had that Tumblr for a long time that I haven't done anything with, but I've been, but I will, I actually am trying to put, put um, more stuff up there. So I have a, so I have some of my art on online. Cause I, what's your I hand, what's your handle on so it's just Kate, It's just Caitlin Birmingham tum, on Tumblr. Okay. Just my first and last name. So we'll have all that in the show notes. So, I haven't, uh, mm-hmm. I haven't tagged anything on there. So we'll see. Um, and, and maybe we should really put in the, cool. the YouTube link to your, your band. Our fans and they want to reconnect with you. I mean, there's that too. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, I think that's I mean, necessary. Um, they want to. So Caitlin, cheese, are there any shows time. that are coming up at the Whitney that we should be aware of that we should go to New York to go see when this well, COVID we, business slows down? Well, the biennial is going to be opening um, in the spring. So that'll be oh. opening in late March, early, early April. So that's what, that's a big show I'm working on right now. And then next year, Jean Quick to See Smith is going to be showing a Native American artist that I'm really into and really excited about. And she actually spent some time in Massachusetts as well. So that, that'll be next year though. But, and then there's a really, there's some, there's Jasper Johns is up right now that you can, despite the pandemic, that's a, that's a, a huge survey that's at the Whitney and, and the, Philadelphia Museum hmm. concurrently. So definitely check those out. Thank you, Caitlin. Awesome. This was yes. pa- this is painless, wasn't it? Did you have a good time? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it wasn't bad, <laughs> was it? We weren't mean. No, you're not mean at all. No, <laughs> it's what I just, you know, I say something like earth shatteringly insightful, but you know. <laughs> we so enjoyed catching up with you though. Thank you so much. That's for your, your time. inner critic. We need we need to talk to the inner critic <laughs> yeah. because man, she's got some I know, I know. <laughs> she's got some learning to do. Some eye opening and like look take a look around kind of. We need yeah. some a, a, a dose of self-love. That's right. If you're going to do an exhibition on really cool um holiday blazers, Dave Yaz would like <laughs> to contribute Yaz. his his artwork to the exhibit. There's not a runway I won't I won't walk down. Show me the <laughs> runway and I'm there. This this was a suit that used to come with pants and as I mentioned earlier. It looks like it might come with wrapping paper. It, it kept, yeah, it's basically yeah, it's made of wrapping paper. Where did you paper. find it, Dave? I mean it's, it's just it's the gaudiest thing I've ever seen. You. It's where where uh, you can buy a lot of things on this thing called the internet far. It's called uh, it's called the interwebs. Yes. Uh, it's yes, called I've op- heard of it. Oppa suits. Get it? It's a plan where it's oppo suits. Um, oh, you can't see it. But anyway, yeah. Oh, you can get. You can, I mean, uh, it's fun to wear goofy clothes, and then you don't have to worry about looking nice because everybody just laughs. And so, um, I think if you go to Etsy, you could find some holiday blazers. There you go. There you go. And uh, oppo suits not a sponsor of the Link Podcast, yes. but maybe in the future, <laughs> if you're listening, we could we could hawk some of the stuff. Thank you, Caitlin. I thought you were Thank an amazing you, guest. Caitlin. Thank yeah, you, thank you all. It was great to catch up. And thanks great to the to thanks to the entire Link team. We remind you if you like this podcast, and we know you do. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you find your shows. Support the show by visiting pod six one seven dot com slash link and throw us a couple bucks, and maybe we'll uh, give you a shout out on the show. On behalf of Caitlin and Far and Diana and Meredith, even Meredith, yay. yay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Link. We'll see you next time. Happy holidays, everybody.